Welcome to A World on Fire Season 2, and in an effort to cover more JLA-JSA team-ups, I have uh, my buddy here, Ward here, Harry. How are you, man? I'm fine. Hello, Billy D. Hello, podcast listeners of all fans of Earth 2. Yeah, man. So you and I have been talking about some, you know, uh, Green Lantern uh, comics here where uh, Hal and uh, our buddy Alan have been uh, teaming up, right? Yeah, this is this is the we did one the first one earlier and this is the second Green Lantern comics featuring two Green Lanterns of of the two Earths. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we were just talking just for a second here uh, offline before we hit the record button about how incredible this cover is by Gil Kane and Sid Green. So uh, wh- why don't you start us off with your thoughts on this cover? Oh, it is. It's it's stunning. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to describe adequately, but it's the Green Lantern logo, the old logo, not the one of the shooting out of the power battery. With the, with the letters are, are in green with little flames on them. But the entire background is a sky blue. And dominating the cover is a figure of Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. But he's all... It, what color is that, Billy? Fuchsia? Dark pink? Light... Actually, it fades from a darker pink to a lighter pink at the bottom. It's a monochrome, except for his ring, which is all green, of course. And mm-hmm. at the bottom of the cover is with his holding his head in his hand is Alan Scott, the Green Lantern of Earth 2, um, on a deserted city. Some papers mm-hmm. are blowing around. The, the city fades into, the, into a vanishing point. It's a street, street scene. All the lights are on in the buildings, but there's no one around. And Alan has his head in his hand. And uh, in front of the, the purple Hal Jordan, is that wonderful Earth 2 Green Lantern costume with the red shirt, the green tights, the red boots with the yellow stripes, the blue cloak, blue on the outside, light green on the inside. And, of course, his yellow blonde hair. And mm-hmm. huge word balloons. Hal Jordan is saying, you crazy fool. Your abuse of green power destroyed every person on Earth. And it's mm-hmm. it's tremendous cover. Gil Kane is just... And and Sid Green. I'm going to talk a lot about Sid Green this issue. I don't think he inked the last one we talked about. No, I think yeah, he may have inked the cover, but I don't think he did the interiors. There's a terrific thing looking at this cover that um, this is something I got, I got hep to when I was reading a lot of comics um, criticism, no comics critique in the comics journal mm-hmm. back in the early '80s. And when Amazing Heroes published their 100th issue, it was attributed to Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. And in the book, which is mostly just tributes from every other professionals in the field, were a couple of articles about how to ink Jack Kirby. And it was tremendous. I forget the author. Shame on me for forgetting the author. But they, they were talking about how this inker was using a different kind of weighted line to magnify what Jack's images were doing and how Jack's pages were a composition in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. But that idea about the weighted line, because most inkers I grew up looking at, um, there are a few I really admired, but most of them used one width and just continued that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at this cover, and I expect you'll probably post this cover someplace. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you look at Hal Jordan's hips and shoulders, there's this really, really thick black line outlining the figure. But his costume and his musculature inside are made of much finer lines. Mm-hmm. But that weight on his hips, which is right in the center of the cover, really, um, it doesn't really push that figure forward, but really helps to define, even though it's a, it's a giant figure. Mm-hmm. And there's a big, yeah. thick line on his neck, too, as his head is tilted to one side. And I really, it's a smooth line. It's a confident line. It's really terrific. And as a contrast, Alan Scott does not have any thick lines on his body. Mm-hmm. No, he does not. He, he is in defeat there. There's a nice white highlight on the left side on the cape in the back of his leg. This is a tremendous cover. It's a really wonderful composition and bizarre color choices. The, the logo is one color. The background is one solid color. The primary figure is one color. One word balloon has got red letters of the white background. The other word balloon has black and green letters with a white background. <laughs> and no UPC box to mess it up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this this is one of those covers, I don't see them often, but I do from time to time where when I think of the times it was made and the colors and the composition, and you, you, know, you try to describe it to someone, and it probably doesn't sound like it would work through, you know, just a verbal description, but it is incredible with that blue sky blue background and the, the pinkish colors and then just the green lantern ring and the green power in the word balloon. You know, uh, oh, it's just it's incredible. Whoever thought of this, you know, Gil Kane did green and then color wise, you know, who all all the brains that were involved with this cover, man, they all should have gotten a raise back in 1968. Oh, yeah, definitely. Except they did it. They all got fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this is a cover dated June 1968, uh, Green Lantern number 61 here. Yeah, can't can't say enough good things about this cover. It's just an absolutely incredible cover here. But, you know, once we, you know, dive onto the inside here, uh, we're looking at a, a Mike Friedrich as the scripter here. Yes. And then Gil Kane, Sid Green, also interiors. But yeah, Mike Friedrich kind of jumped out at me there because I know he was, you know, doing work back in 1968. There it was, but I, I always, for some reason, associated him with more Marvel books. But I think that's a little bit later in the 70s. What about you? Yeah, I I had the same reaction when I saw his his byline. So I went over to the best website in the world, Mike's Amazing World of Comics, and did a search on Friedrich. This is his third published story. Wow. So he's a brand new writer. And frankly, I think it kind of shows that he's, he's still a brand new writer. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But yeah, I'm, I was very impressed that um, he got this, this good assignment. And I expect it was his idea to team up these two lanterns. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you figure other than him, like maybe the editor. I, I'm not sure, but it, you would think it was probably his idea. Yeah. Well, the, but, the little touches he uses in his knowledge of, um, and, and frankly, um, a lot, we'll get this into the story, but the, this, the casual acceptance of the parallel Earth. There's no big explanation about it anywhere. It's just, it's a given. Mm-hmm. There are two yep. Earths, and you, the reader, know about them. And if you don't, well, 
just enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Yep, you'll you'll kind of put the pieces together as uh, as we go through, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this one is called a uh, thoroughly modern mayhem, which that's an interesting uh, uh, name for this one. And I will say too, you know, uh, I'm not going to give anything away right now, but you know, the cover and what happens in the interior, it's it's definitely not a bait and switch, but it's definitely not as uh, I don't want to say as powerful as the cover, but not as negative as the cover, let's say, you know, uh, the, yeah. the, the problem here, right? Right. Um, the title is a play on the, a film that was released a year earlier called Thoroughly Modern Millie, which mm. featured uh, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, Julie Andrews, and Sean M. Myers. I'm sure he was in that movie, too. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I bet you anything that they want to use the title because the title really has nothing to do with this story <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's some mayhem but yeah that is a wild one. <laughs> oh, fantastic so yeah i mean and again i love the splash page where when they have these crossovers they put in like you said the old green lantern logo and then also a little box that says co-starring the original green lantern yes. in a full-length power pack novel <laughs> i love it yeah yeah I love gotta it. love that and i love too that the story starts right in the middle there's no um they're, they're green, the two Green Lanterns are flying after a crook they've been chasing through. Uh, the adventure's already happened. Before we, the book, before this comic was even published, they've already started on this adventure. We're mm-hmm. catching up them at the end. It's not, and this is not part two of a two-part continued story. This story starts here right at the end of a team-up adventure. We don't have an explanation about Earth 1 and Earth 2. They're mm-hmm. just... They're just, they know each other. They're chatting with each other. They're calling each other Alan and Hal. And they're going up against this bizarre villain, <laughs> which yeah. readers have never seen before and have not seen since, according to Mike's Amazing World. Mm-hmm. Captain Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how they're kind of making fun of him uh, yeah. and they're, they're back and forth as they're uh, going after him. That's that, I love that, that they're that good of friends. They can, you know kind of like screw around here while they're trying to like take it to this guy. <laughs> yeah. And they, they literally do. I mean, they, he has some kind of a craft here where they bust right through with uh, their power rings and uh, uh, they just take it to him right away. But I will say he does have a, a laser pistol here and he does uh, knock Hal down, give him a run for his money. But right away when he thinks he's uh, going to get away with something uh, as Hal's down, Alan Scott comes in and he tries to get the best of them. But, there is something here uh, at play, and I was uh, interested to get your thoughts on this. It seems like right away from the, this beginning fight here that Alan Scott almost has a bit of a, a complex here that he, he's you know getting older or less powerful. What do you think here? Well, I think that he, Friedrich is trying to set this up mm-hmm. to, 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 to get a motivation uh, f- for the story, I think. It, it feels mm-hmm. really forced and awkward to me because mm-hmm. it's Hal making the comment. Um, that's, that's, yeah. Cause the villain calls him an old has been. And mm-hmm. yeah. And at this time, this to, to readers of 1968, this is a character who's, who's, he's been out of comics for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. which was a lot longer time ago then than it is now because 20 years ago from today was really about six months ago as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah true <laughs> right. this is it true was just before my daughter was born with these last 
these last 18 years have flown by. Mm-hmm. But man, from from World War II to the to the Beatles era, that's that's a big difference. Yeah, a lot of things. So that's what the modern the reader of 1968 would be thinking. I think. But you know what I want to talk about right away is this magnificent art. Holy cow! We get the mm. first page is it's a splash page, but it's three panels, mm-hmm. and the two lanterns busting in to this room, and the then the next page is Hal Jordan with this great Gil Kane punch. He mm. has knocked the villain through the panel. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And there's that thick Sid Green line again on the part of the villain that's busting into the panel below. Mm-hmm. It's really thick on his shoulders and his, um, his deltoids and his triceps. Not so as thick on his skull or his ear, of course. That's not the important part. Mm-hmm. And then he takes takes out Hal with uh, what Hal calls the guy's got himself a dinky super gadget, but of course it's <laughs> yellow, which gives us an excuse for Alan Scott to charge in, disarm him with the power beam, and then dive at him. This great dynamism. Everyone's feet are about fifteen feet apart, and they're swinging fists and throwing arms and clobbering each other. It's just great Gil Kane action. Until the, uh-huh. till Alan just lays him out with a huge punch, and his legs are all apart, and his torso is twisted, and is he's looking straight ahead and just punching this guy, and he punches him out of the panel again. This guy <laughs> cannot stay in the panel when he's punched. Mm-hmm. I love how the sound effect from the punch is zap. Zap. <laughs> yeah, and how? That's, yeah, because well, uh, that's what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the guy says, you're an old has-been. Here's something to prove it. He decks Alan, and Hal offers to jump in with a big smile. And Alan says, no, he's mine. And then Hal's thought balloon is, don't tell me Alan's getting uptight over his age. Look at him. He's still as strong as ever. And that's just, I think, that's we got to lay in something for the reader to think this character's a little older, and maybe he's upset about something. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll but see. That's... I, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a running theme here than uh, when uh, <laughs> Alan uh, goes back to Earth, too. But like you said, oh, this action by Gil Kane, like this comic would definitely have appealed to, you know, uh, an eight to 10 year old and yes. even somebody that had been reading comics for 10 or 15 years as well. Just because, again, it's an Earth one or two character. If you were a fan of the Golden Age Green Lantern, you'd want to see it. There's action. There's, you know, oh, there's, you know, this crazy, you know, villain who's, you know, of course, bald and got a goatee. So we know he's evil. And pointy eyebrows. Yeah. (laughs) But, oh, I love it. Later outside a police precinct station, you know, there's the two of them just talking, like having a moment to talk after, you know, what they just did. And I I just, again, it's it's a quiet moment, but just the artwork there Mm -hmm. is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. These bright colors, sure lines. Uh, And I'm looking at, you know, this image on the line. So I can't say how it looks on the printed page. But this is what something that when I started reading comics uh, in the early 70s, I started collecting them in 1976 when I was uh, just before I turned 12. Um, but I, what brought me to DC Comics primarily was Superman and Batman because I had a familiarity with them. I saw them on TV and I really, really liked them. Mm-hmm. But when I saw Marvel Comics, especially Marvel's from when this comic was printed from the, from the mid-60s, 
there was a darkness about the printing, which I found off-putting then. Uh -huh. So it was hard for me to get around that. Uh, there was a muddy quality just to the actual page. Uh, and I know that they had they were using cheap processes and cheap paper then. So it was really hard for me to get into stuff. And I, I'd see the reprints on the stands. You know, that's when they had the Marvel Tales and Marvel's Greatest Comics and uh, the yeah. Hulk But it just, they, they did not appeal to me. They looked so old-fashioned. The DC reprints of the same time also looked kind of old-fashioned, but I found them, and of course this is my opinion, I found them more accessible, uh, easier to grasp who was who and what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a very good point. And this is a good example of them just, just standing there to uh, chatting. Now, here's a bit I like. Al, we, this story, this is page three. They've already defeated a villain. Mm -hmm. uh, Hal gets a, an SOS from another a fellow Green Lantern, so someone else in the core, and off he goes. So we don't know how long they have been fighting. Oh, oh, I forgot to say the thing I like that Friedrich is showing his fanboy stuff here. Yeah. Um, as they they beat the villain, they, and they, then the caption is later outside a police precinct station. And Alan of Earth 2 says, after Challenge, which is the villain, Captain Challenge, they go aspiring DC Comics writers, bring back this guy. After Challenge serves time for his crimes here, he'll still have another court to face back on my Earth, too. And they've already established this in their word balloons that this villain came from Earth, too, uh -huh. has faced Alan Scott Green Lantern before, and has come to Earth 1. We don't know how. We don't know why. <laughs> uh -huh. But there... But so, I mean, this Friedrich is is just saying, okay, we got two worths and and super beings go back and forth pretty much at will. But the thing that struck me about this panel was this idea of ju jurisprudence. Jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you commit a crime, but you don't live on that world, doesn't how are they going to charge you? You don't have any identity. Mm -hmm. You can't. They can't prove you are who you say you are. Yeah. And there's no one to vouch for. You have no record. <laughs> yeah. So, so how are they going to charge this fellow? <laughs> what, can, what can they charge him with? Yeah, really. Think about A it. Panel border violation. <laughs> <laughs> At this point. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Destruction. But how, how are you going to charge him? Mm -hmm. What's, what's yeah. you know, the state V bald guy from another dimension that doesn't work <laughs> captain challenge earth too yeah yeah <laughs> uh i do like how you know they're, they're showing how though he he's part of a bigger universe as well with you know hey yes. oh one, one of the other green lanterns needs me i've got an sos on my ring here i've got to go help him and he's got to go. oh, yeah, exactly friedrich has been reading green lantern comics for several years he knows what's going on he he loves the idea of the core he loves the idea of the parallel worlds and there's no, we're not taking any time to explain this. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of Green Lanterns around. Maybe we'll see some, maybe we won't. But the thing I do like about the writing is that because we started the story in the middle of the adventure, we don't know how long they've been at it. And that's mm -hmm. going to come in 
very important in a couple of pages. Yeah, and I love on the top of page four there when they do, you know, split up part ways. Uh, oh, man, that is incredible artwork there. There's a close-up of Alan Scott, and he goes, it never ends, eh? Good luck, Hal. See you around. I've got to go back to my other work anyway. Yep. Because, again, these guys have day jobs. It's not like they just sit around the, the Justice League, you know, watchtower all day waiting for something to happen. Exactly. They have day, jo- they have day jobs. And, I, I, again, I love that. I do, too. Um, not everyone can be a, a bored playboy hanging around the mansion. Yeah, not everybody's bad, man. <laughs> so... <laughs> What about this panel here of him traveling back to Earth 2 as well? I know you had to like that. That is a very cool thing. Uh, mm-hmm. In the previous story we discussed, and uh, listeners, if this is your first World on Fire podcast, please go back and listen to previous World on Fire podcasts. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, there was an artistic element in the panel where Alan was traversing dimensions between the two Earths, and I, I made a note of it because it stuck out. This time, there's no specific artistic element. It's just uh, he's a, the, the, his, his figure is all in, in monochrome, a sort of a light gray, purplish color mm-hmm. with some swirly stuff behind him and his glowing green finger, which is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's nothing to really draw the eye to say, look at this and remember this, because we're not going to see this again. But the next panel I also love. He's just standing there in a suit, checking his watch. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, yep. isn't that, that that's that's it's how great. you draw. The, 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 his his jacket has got his got nice folds and drapes in it. Mm-hmm. You can see his shirt sleeve and the buttons on the suit. You can see the the wristband. It's a, a stretch watch band. Kane, Kane and Green, what a great team. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the caption box. You arrive home in Gotham City and switch to civvies. <laughs> I now, love it. This is the thing that starts to bug me. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the caption boxes are in the second person. They haven't been previously. The mm. previous caption was at a police precinct. And the first yeah. one was... Sort of saying, it's, you better get set, Green Lanterns. It's going to take both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. addressing Alan Scott only. And I, I found that kind of off-putting. But that's me as a jaded old longtime comics reader in his 50s. <laughs> 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 yeah, and I like how his job is. You know, he works for the Gotham Broadcast Company. I think we talked Dude, about some of this in our last one. Yep, in our last uh, episode, how... Not only does he have a you know a day job, it's a really cool day job. But he, you know he works at a, a like a television radio station, right? Yep, he's running the Gotham Broadcast Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. and he's thinking to himself, because this constant running around just isn't my bag anymore, as today's kids put it. And I love uh, <laughs> you know uh, lingo like that in comics. That's I, I talk about this all the time. Where I know. Some of the stuff, you know, maybe a younger reader, it might take them out of it. But I actually love that stuff from my era, even from before my era and my the era before that, you know, generations. past. I love that stuff when I'm reading these comic books, you know, along with certain things that are, you know, uh, have become a little uh, outre like uh, smoking. Uh, I When I see an old movie and there's somebody smoking a cigarette again, I know smoking is bad for you. I still like it. And I like it in I, comics, too. I don't yeah. know why. And I like it <laughs> reading comics of that era. Um I, I love reading Archie reprints in that time. That's where I, that's where I learned songs like learned words like um, uh, "my bag," "yep," "Harry," "going in," 
Mike Friedrich, <laughs> it says here on on the wiki, was born in 1949. So he was not even 20 years old when he wrote the wow. book. So he yeah. was today's kid. Yeah. So he that's, probably that's saying awesome. That's, I write comics, man. That's my bag. See? <laughs> <laughs> Which is just fantastic. I, abs- I absolutely love it. But, man, there's action. Like, you know, we were getting action right out of the gate with superhero action. But there's yeah. action right out of the gate here as he walks in, the, you know, the front door, right? This uh, uh, lady, Miss Fadden, comes running and says, uh, Mr. Scott, Johnny Halliday and Tommy Saunders, it's terrible. And yeah, this, this is, is a really terrific. crazy scene. Yeah, what's going on here? This is crazy. This is more of Gil Kane's greatness. This page, there's no, there's no real action happening. But with the first two panels, we do see two people flying. Mm-hmm. Then we have a nice, calm panel of some guy checking his watch. And then he's walking into a building. But that last panel, uh, Alan's in the foreground with his back to the reader. And he's sort of leaning forward. His body's got a slight twist to it. He's got his head turning. We can't see his face. It's away from us. And there are three other people in the background. They're not they're behind these two glass doors, so they're not colored. It's all monochrome. Mm-hmm. But one woman is running right toward him. There's another person that's farther away running away. There's a person over on the right at the edge of the page looking with horror and shock at the other woman running. So even though nothing is really happening, we get a lot of action and movement in this panel. And Gil Kane does, well, I was going to say he doesn't draw people standing still, but I, I lie because the panel above, Alan Scott is standing still. So when he draws calm, sedate, it's very beautiful. And when he draws action, everything is in action. He's, he's got this great, everybody's bodies are, are moving. When I studied acting in college, uh, there was a technique that we, we were learning. And it was about, uh, the, the shorthand for it is vectors. And you tried, you wanted to have, consciously have, two parts of your body sort of pointing in two different directions. Eventually, it's something you could incorporate and and be unaware of it. But if you're standing on stage, you don't want to stand still with your arms and legs straight. So you want to think about, all right, I'm looking at this person on center stage, so I'll have my my right shoulder... uh, facing the, the downstage table and my left knee will be pointing toward that curtain. So, so you have a little mm-hmm. bit of angle in your body. And that's how Gil Kane draws people in action. There's, there's no, yeah. it's, it's the opposite of stiff. Yeah. Everything always seems to be like this comic. I don't ever look at any of the panels in this comic. And this is a testament to, you know, the art team where there's, there's always something to catch your eye. There's always something to draw you in, even when there's mm-hmm. not. Again, it went, that's easier to do when you're looking at an action panel, of course. But even like you said, when you're not looking at an action panel, when you're looking at the panel where uh, Alan, you know, there he is in his suit and he's looking at his watch, like your eye is just drawn to him as a figure in that panel yeah. there. Yeah, and even that, he's got his head is looking down. So we get a yeah. little motion there and his shoulders are not square. And mm-hmm. the buildings behind him are at a crazy angle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's so how so he's so if you look at it how he's walking down the street if you look at the buildings if you you know tilt your head so the buildings are straight up and down then he's his body's leaning forward he he's in a hurry he's walking so without drawing the man's legs Kane is showing us that this man is in motion 
brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And I love how, you know, he does Alan then come into this room and they, they do see these two guys fighting and one of them's on the ground and the other one's, you know, above him uh, like he's about to clobber him uh, with a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alan just comes flying in and tackles this guy. And again, oh, great man, action. A, Look at that. Oh, that is so good. Again, he's pulling him out of the border. And his, this figure is all twisted. His head's going one way. He's got his hands splayed. His legs are flying behind him. Alan's got him in a, a tackle around the waist. Alan's pants are baggy. He's got cuffed trousers on. You can see his socks. Love mm-hmm. that. With those little that starburst behind, you know this is this is when you eschew backgrounds. Previous panel, we can see the the doorway, the on the air sign, some sort of console on the floor, uh, a viewing window, monitor windows. The, we can see where the floor is. We can see where the ceiling is. But on this page, where Alan's tackling the guy, all that's gone. It's just a big double star kind of shape behind two different two different oranges to set the figures off. Yeah, and it's almost like he he did this on like a black background, and it looks like you know like these explosive kind of yeah. starbursts or something behind it to show the action of the wham when he hits him. Oh, it's great! Oh, look at the! I just noticed the shadow of the guy Alan's tackling. The shadow of his hand is on Alan's jacket. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice touch! <laughs> wow, yeah, that is incredible. It's just yeah, yeah. Gil Kane was a master, and in the the bottom one, it says. Uh, you know, Alan says, don't touch Saunders. He looks pretty bad. Call for an ambulance because he is laying down on the floor and knocked out like he's in some rough shape. Both panels with this guy's down. Uh, we don't we, we don't see his face. So we have to imagine how awful he must look. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, man, as soon as, you, as soon as you go that next page, again, uh, no action, but a panel close up, uh, like a profile of Alan Scott here, and he's talking to this other guy, and the other guy... He has his hand to his face. He's there's, there's beads of sweat coming down his yeah. forehead. It, oh, it's just incredible. Really, really good stuff. We ought to mention, uh, for the story's sake, that this guy is uh, not Tommy. It's Johnny. Johnny the DJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Johnny the DJ at Allen's radio station. Mm-hmm. And now the story gets... So there's a little action. Some violence happening at the radio station. Someone comes in and says... Mr. Scott, another crime wave has started again. It's not a crime wave if one thing has happened. <laughs> 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 it's not the criminal saying, here's our first caper. We're going to do about 10 more today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, He's he, 19 he... years old. He's writing comics. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. God bless him. <laughs> yeah, our news bureau got word that a waterfront warehouse was just robbed. Mm-hmm. So, of and course, I... Alan's going to go after it. He runs away, pulling off his jacket, pulling off his tie. But after he tells Johnny the DJ to get on the air. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get on the air. But, oh, man, look at him flying away then, too. Alan just yeah. jumping off the top of a building, and there's police cars down on the bottom there. Oh, great stuff. So, and this is where this the story writing is sort of a little sloppy. Uh, with There are little details, like I just mentioned, with the crime wave has just started. And Alan's thinking just when the Easter parade downtown was on, and a lot of police were pulled off to direct traffic. So is this Easter Sunday? <laughs> 
Yeah, really. Maybe Saturday. What's going on? <laughs> so it's not really explained. Is it early morning? The praise doesn't want to start. It's 9.30 Sunday morning. Seems odd. And um, that bottom panel, and it says, we have to, we need the explanation. Several police cars down around that car crash. But we don't see the crashed car Mm-mm. or cars. There are two vehicles marked pd with the red siren mm-hmm. uh, but it's four cars in total they're all colored green there might the third car might be a police car we don't huh and it looks like the gotham police department earth do have us uh, have um coops as police cars here just two yeah doors two doors <laughs> i guess they have to call the paddy wagon if there's an arrest <laughs> the perps in the trunk maybe <laughs> Oh man, it's fantastic! And it's sure it's nice and millionaire Bruce Wayne to outfit the police department with brand new coupes for <laughs> for us all. Yeah, oh, that's great. What about that? And then page seven too. When the act, you know, we get to we get an action page here, and again, it's the way Kane decided to do this one. I love it. It's only three panels, but at the bottom panel is like half the page. The middle panel is a little thinner than the top panel is a little thicker. Like you know, you can almost yeah. look at like percentages here i don't know how you'd equal it out but oh i i love how he did this here i do too he did the lot when he wrote when he drew daredevil in the 70s these mm-hmm. horizontal panels it's great and again this is part of the story we need the word balloon of alan saying so neighboring area areas might just be having a few intruders mm-hmm. and sure enough not far away there's guys robbing a place so that's mm-hmm. it's the story is moving so fast. You really don't have time for explanation, like where things are, why things are happening. It's just it's just action, action, action. Which is heck. That's what you want for your twelve cents, isn't it? Mm, you want to yeah. see our hero blasting guys with his ring and then punching guys. <laughs> yeah, and that bottom which is panel what he too. Does and I love the oh, the, yeah. the money flying out of the briefcase. He's just running away so fast from robbing the bank. <laughs> Easter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how crooks, man, crooks back in the day, they dressed up when they were going to rob you. This, oh, did you, have you read um, any of Fred Hembeck's stuff? Very, very little. Very little. I, I was a big fan of Hembeck when they started running his strip in the Daily Planet. Um, you know, the one pager that DC's did mm-hmm. in the late 70s. Yeah. And when I went to my first comic convention, and I saw that there was a book of nothing but Hembeck. I was so excited. So I, mm-hmm. I have several of these collections. They're from Fantico, I think. I, all right, okay. urge everyone to buy Hembeck stuff. He did a, uh, a strip for a comics newsletter uh, called Dateline Unpronounceable, Dateline Curses. Uh, that was uh, his take on what was happening in the current comics scene. But these other books were stuff where he could write his own things and tell his own stories, mostly his own personal stories. In one of those books, which one was it now? Uh, I think it was Ba Hembeck. He started telling his, oh, his origin story. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's the one that he, he's, it's Dr. Doom taking off his mask and it's, uh, it's Fred Hembeck underneath the mask. That's, that's great. But, um, <laughs> He tells a story, he, and draws it, of course, of how he got his first Fantastic Four comic. Because he was already a comics fan when he was a young boy. 
Mm-hmm. And he would go to the drugstore and get the comics he wanted. But this time, he was sick. So his mom stopped the drugstore uh, and would hold up the covers while he was in the car. And he would nod if he wanted one. And she held up a copy of Fantastic Four number four. And he was fascinated. Wow. Oh, I wish I, I knew I was going to talk about it, but I grabbed it. I read this out loud. But he was fascinated by wondering, because uh, that's what the Submariner, that's the first appearance of Submariner in modern times. Mm-hmm. So Submariner is carrying the invisible girl and running towards the reader away from Johnny, Ben, and, the th- and uh, Reed. But if you don't know who the Fantastic Four are, you might think as young Fred did. Why is the one of the good guys carrying the girl, and why they why is he running away from the monster? Mm-hmm. So, so he read that story, and that story has uh, Johnny Storm running away from the Fantastic Four and, and ending up in the Bowery with a lot of homeless guys. That's mm-hmm. where he finds the man who was the Submariner, Subby. And, yeah, yeah, and so, but Hambeck writes that these homeless guys. These bums look like bums. Yeah. In DC Comics, everyone, even the crooks, wore a suit. <laughs> yeah, all three of and these guys do. That <laughs> has stuck with me ever since. And here we go. Gil Kane is showing us, even in 1968, if you're going to rob a bank, you're going to wear a suit, a full suit. Jacket and trousers must match. And please have a contrasting tie. <laughs> If we're mm-hmm. going to look good, this this crime operation is going to be looking good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just flies right in and just starts beating the crap out of these guys. Yep. And I love how he, we're starting to see him. I don't want to say the guy, you know, needs anger management classes, but he starts to get really pissed off here and starts just clobbering yeah. guys. And like, maybe this will convince you. And it's really like really beating up on these guys pretty bad. Yeah. He's already made their guns too hot with his rings but now he's using his fists mm-hmm. yeah he, he's yeah. really taking it to them yeah and then we go again we have another caption to say he's going to a different place in the warehouse district here mm-hmm. so there's there, there's eventually a crime wave here although we didn't yeah. have one at the time oh. you still there yep yep okay edit that up and okay. yeah the, and again his thought balloon is saying that nearby fire tipped me off to this well, what fire? We didn't have a scene with the fire. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And I, it's, oh, man. It, it's, this is this is my issue with the script. This is really feeling forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things. But the action is still great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, speaking. Two, go ahead. Two guys loading stuff into into Kane's careful carting truck. Yeah, but one of them does wear a suit, another suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> purple suit there kind of looks like norman osborne a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but wow how about this next page too where it just shows you know the the, the crime wave uh, continues throughout yep. the day and you, you can see alan uh there's the panel is it's like it's got a close-up of his face in the middle but then action on both sides of him you know beating up on more of these crooks and yeah. you can tell you know there's sweat coming down his forehead and it, you can tell He's 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 getting like pretty aggravated about this. He's it's three separate punches at three separate guys. He's throwing in one powering blast, mm-hmm. knocking a gun out of a guy's hand, and then he says, "I feel like when I was back in school, uh, pulling all nighters before my big test." So help me <laughs> if I if I see another criminal, and he he's not kidding here. So 
his ring starts uh, uh, firing off and it says, what again, someone's robbing my friend Bruce Wayne's mansion. And it says Bruce Wayne, but he's Batman Bet you readers forgot. He's also in Gotham city. I didn't <laughs> bat maniac, Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where he, he really starts to, I don't want to say go off the deep end. Cause that's a bit harsh, but this is where he, he really starts to kind of almost go over a line here. Right. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he goes and, and beats up this crook and keeps pounding him. But here's the here's the thing I alluded to before. Uh, the panel, the page earlier, um, he's gone through the bright day, past the dying sunset, deep into the dark night. He's been going all day long. He goes to the Bruce Wayne man. He goes to Wayne Stately Wayne Manor, mm-hmm. and uh, the the rings out of juice. He did not recharge it. Mm-hmm. So he's been going all day and all night. Twenty four hours have expired. And that's something I didn't see much of in Green Lantern stories. Unless, of mm-hmm. course, like here, the plot called for it. Yeah, and I mean, he says to the guy, I'm too tired to fight. My ring will take. And he goes, eh, it's run out of power. I've never had time to recharge it. And we do get a little editor's note there that says, Alan Scott's power ring must be recharged every 24 hours to maintain power. So from when he was with Hal till now has been 24 hours. So basically the guy was fighting for 24 hours straight, which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, leaping at him with murder in his eyes is this crook with what looks to be an Academy Award. And he bashes him (laughs) over the head with it. Yeah. He clobbers him and this really pisses Alan off. Holy grazed him. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. He really starts to pound the crap out of this guy, even after the guy's unconscious. Yeah, this time Alan punches him through three panels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then starts pimp slapping him, too. Yeah. He's wailing on yeah. him. Yeah. And then he, he, you know, back to, uh, you know, finally when everything's quiet on the crime front, he, he he says, shouldn't have hit that crook again after he was out. But he almost killed me. Me, dead? What would happen to Earth if I weren't around? And this is what he thinks to himself. This is very interesting. Nobody could fill in for me and my power ring, not even Dr. Fate and his magic or the specter and his supernatural powers. And I'm thinking, Alan, uh, the specter. Yeah, he he could get it done, buddy. Sorry to burst your bubble. Well, you know, on one hand, (laughs) I agree with you. But on the other hand, the specter was pretty erratic and Mm -hmm. not not the most dependable of crime. Yeah, he thinks I think he'd get the big jobs done, but the little ones, I don't know if the Spectre yeah. would give a crap about. Well, at least not that Spectre. We once right. we get to the Fleischer and Apparel Spectre, it's all the, the gloves are <laughs> off. If somebody just like jaywalks, he's gonna like cut their head off. <laughs> he just went to totally ape. <laughs> but then he says uh, why once I thought of ordering the ring to eliminate all the evils of the world, but I never got around to it. Don't know why. Guess I thought I'd wait until I retired or something. And then he turns on his radio and, you know, here we go again. It it says about, you know, news headlines and there's a death toll for this week in Vietnam and guns and across the Jordan and Motor City and riots. And he just keeps, you know, after the day he's had and he keeps hearing these things on the radio, he really he he makes a, a pretty rash decision here, doesn't he? Yes, it is. I'm. I'm sorry, but that that thing on the radio, um, mm-hmm. it's very much like a piece on the 
um, Simon and Garfunkel record. I think it's on Price of Sages Mirror. Yes, Silent Night. They did a mm-hmm. version of Silent Night. Okay. But uh, a- as the song continued, their harmonies faded, and this news broadcast came up. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially this. And yeah, that was released in October 1966. So I'm sure that oh, T.H. Yeah. Mike Friedrich knew that. So he was mm-hmm. aware of that stuff. This is and this is one of the few times you're going to find in the in the 1960s, especially D, DC comics, uh-huh. a mention of of what's going on. It's kind of vague, but people would know that. Uh, yeah. Oh, this is Vietnam and guns have fired across the Jordan, so that's trouble in Israel. This is after the Six Days War. Uh-huh. Uh, the riots in Detroit. Yeah, so this is topical, and that's cool. I got no yeah. problem with that, especially when it's a younger writer, too, like this. You're thinking, you know, that's that's cool. I'm glad he yeah. did that, but I love how Alan Scott, he was that, like, tired and just kind of, like, disheveled from everything that happened during the day and, like, under a lot of mental strain. He came into his apartment, and he didn't even realize somebody had, as he puts it, ransacked his own home. Yes, that, and again, that's the part, again, th- these parts feel so forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just just to get the character to to be motivated. But once again, Gil Kane, the master here, the final panel is when Alan turns around, notices that his bureau has been torn apart. Uh, the drawers are out the bureau, but if you look carefully at the bureau drawers, Gil Kane and Sid Green have drawn the dovetail joints. Mm-hmm. holding the drawers together. Yeah. Come on. Who, who goes into this detail? Yep. That's dedication right there. That is dedication. <laughs> that, that's terrific. And you go to the next page, and like you said, it does feel like Friedrich kind of went from zero to 60 here with Alan. That Alan's yeah. usually, up until this point that I'm aware of, hadn't been shown as like a, a big hothead, but he, he loses his crap here and says, that's it. The last straw, I've taken too much, I'm going to do it. And it says in a little caption box, your fatigue is forgotten as you scream out an oath uttered from the early beginning of your career. And he, he says an oath here, and it says, And I shall shed my light over dark evil, for the dark things cannot stand the light of Green Lantern. Power Ring, I order you to get rid of all evil on Earth that is plaguing mankind. And again... That sounds like a great idea, uh, you know, getting in the uh, Doc Brown's DeLorean and going back to <laughs> kill Hitler before he goes berserk. Sounds like a great idea, but the, these things always still have consequences, and uh, this doesn't work out too well for Alan, does it? You think he would have learned after his uh, adventure with Corona? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, but what about this next page here? I, this is just, it's only a half page because there's probably an ad or something. There, there would have but... been an ad at the bottom, yeah. Yeah, what about that? And that's an astonishing result. I, I'm disappearing. And all these people are disappearing. This is a nice touch. I don't know what technique they use, but it looks like it looks like a pencil drawing. Mm-hmm. And it looks like yeah. it's halfway erased. There's no color at all. And the inks are stippled, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what you would call that. Yeah, stippling effect there. Yeah, it's really it's a, it's a really cool thing. And mm-hmm. then his ring just falls on the floor. Planet is depopulated. Yeah, so the and then cover there's... is accurate. He got rid of everybody on Earth. 
<laughs> including himself, <laughs> which is crazy. But it says, even as you fade away, Alan Scott, so do all your fellow beings leaving behind your power ring that drops unheard on a depopulated planet. And uh, uh, I love this one, uh, uh, caption Number box two. at the bottom. Don't stop now, baby. It all hangs out in part two. <laughs> Fantastic. Groovy <laughs> hip dialogue. Mm -hmm. Might be writing Teen Titans pretty soon. <laughs> no, as I say, watch out, Haney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now we jump back to Earth One, and uh, Hal is, you know, returning from his uh, his little adventure out in space where he helped a, a another Green Lantern called Gr Grendian. I, I have no idea who no, that well, is. He's, I guess he's, he's a, that's his, must be his, his species. Mm -hmm. I don't think yeah. I've seen that, that race. But he says he, he recharged his ring on the, the Grendian deal far better. So we acknowledge that Hal has been as busy as mm -hmm. Alan, but he has recharged his ring. Yeah. And as he he's coming into the atmosphere here, he says, huh? What's that gigantic blob on the desert salt flats of Utah? People in suspended animation, millions of them, billions, billions. Packed, to packed together like sardines. And Here's where we find out uh, the problem with uh, what Alan Scott tried to pull off, right? Yeah, well, he got rid of the people, and that this is the, the bit I do like, is that, um, so the, what did the power ring do? Well, he just, the power ring just sent all the people on Earth to another planet, to to the another Earth. Mm -hmm. Everybody from Earth know, 2 is now on Earth 1. Four billion people could fit on Utah. The salt flats I, of Utah? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someone can figure out how much square footage 4 billion people would take standing still. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure even if you pack them together like sardines, they're going to fit there. But let's just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. And uh, yeah, well, how so some, just... somewhere in that crowd are probably uh, the Justice Society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, everybody, uh, it said everybody, it was totally depopulated. So it, it literally yeah. has to be everybody. And uh, Hal's like, oh, some fast, fantastic menace on that parallel world to mine must have caused this. I'd better find out what it's all about before I do anything with those people. And uh, it says, but upon rea uh, reaching Earth 2, and he's like, the world is deserted, but there, there's no threat anywhere. <laughs> Could the cause be in outer space? I'd better get my ring into this. And he literally searches far and wide, and there are no problems, catastrophes, nothing on Earth 2. So then he says... You know, you better get to uh, Alan Scott, his buddy's apartment, and he finds the ring there, and he's like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And so back on Earth One, what I, can't believe this it. is what I like about comics of this era. This is a smart superhero. Mm -hmm. This is a smart Green Lantern. There's a there's billions of people here. What are they doing here? They're Earthmen. Uh, they must have come from a different Earth because all other people are are here. So he goes mm -hmm. to the other Earth that he knows. And he starts investigating. He's uh, the ring doesn't register anything unusual in the way of radio waves or anything else from out there. So he's eliminated that there's an alien takeover kind of thing. So the source must be here. So mm -hmm. I'll ask the ring to lead me to the source. He's you know instead of just punching stuff and trying to pull his way through, he's trying to be a detective and figure things out. Finds Alan's ring, goes back to Earth One because he knows Alan's going to be there. At least he suspects Alan's going to be there. If mm -hmm. everyone on Earth 2 is standing in the desert, Alan's going to be among them. Yeah. So one page, he's got to figure it out. Let's get back to the adventure here. 
Yeah, and I love how on the following page there, uh, you know, Hal confronts uh, Alan about it, and he's still in a bit of a fog. And by the way, I love how uh, Gil Kane gave uh, Hal Jordan an eight-pack. He's, he's hitting the gym, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, what happened? Why? And he goes, Alan says, I failed. It didn't work. Leave me alone. And he says, come on, Alan. It's never that bad. Tell me about it. And again, uh, I love this, too, where we have, you know, these these two heroes that are, you know, uh, by all accounts, pretty good friends. And, you know, Alan, uh, for all of his faults uh, uh, as a character over the years, maybe uh, he's, he's trying to be a friend to him and trying to help him out here. And I love this conversation they have between uh, these, these these two heroes. I love it. I do, too. And it's it's unusual that the younger hero is is giving advice to the older hero. That's a mm-hmm. nice switch. Yeah. yeah. Reading these comics, um, later writers really had no idea of what the true character of Hal Jordan was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does he say here? Can't you see I failed miserably? I've overlooked the basic human fact that everyone by some nature or everyone by nature has some evil in him. The only way my ring could obey my command was to remove the entire population off Earth and immobilize them. The ring itself stayed behind, so I couldn't countermand the order because I, too, am partially evil. In other words, I can't possibly stop evil. Evil will always be present. And, you know, like we just said, you can't really – there, there are certain things that are constants in, you know, the world, universe, whatever you want to believe, uh, but that you just – you can't eradicate them. Evil it's just is not possible. Construct. So that's one point for, for Friedrich as the writer, because that's what we saw last time. They, mm-hmm. Evil was let loose, but they didn't, they, that story, it wasn't evil. It was just natural disasters, you know, affecting human populations. That's not evil. That just happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Hal just says to him, yeah, he just says, I'm listening to me, Alan. You've got to go on. And Alan says, why? What's the use? It's beyond me. And he goes, you're wrong. Despite what happened. You can't stop resisting evil once you've committed yourself to the goal. Listen, I too once wanted to give up when my hopes were destroyed when Carol Ferris told me she was marrying someone else. So how's you know saying, you know, getting kind of personal here and letting him know about a yeah. you know something that happened to him personally that you know was hurt him really bad where he wanted to just give up and he's like, You can't. Once a Green Lantern, always a Green Lantern. I love that. I do too. We've got a nice thing here. Um the first three, one, two, three, four, five panels. The first two panels are sort of square, but Alan is looking down in the third panel as well, and his eyes are closed. Then we get mm-hmm. the close-up of Hal Jordan. We can see his eyeballs. Uh, and then we see Alan again in the foreground looking at Hal. And now his eyes are open. He's raised his chin a little bit. He's accepting what he's saying. That's This is nice subtlety in drawing. I love how each one of those... Panels too, like I guess panel two and panel four are the same background color, but other than that, they're all different color backgrounds too. It oh, really I, makes I see the page too. pop. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it is two different colors. Yeah, but, it's yeah, great because uh, the with with Alan in the panel two with his yellow hair, blue mm-hmm. mask, light green cape, a little bit of blue in the cape. Then in the other panel with the same background. It's a close-up of Hal with his green mask and his brown hair. Mm-hmm. There, there's your that's that's a contrast. Yeah, the, the whole page pops. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's great. And then uh, at the the next page, he says, "You've got to keep plugging away at the little things. Don't get hung up over the big problems. Maybe it's a hassle, but they work themselves out if you give them time." And uh, 
he he kind of snaps him out of it here. And I love that panel. And yeah. you know, people from today might think it's kind of corny or something like that. And that's fine. Uh, it, maybe it's slightly over the top, but I love it. The two of them shaking hands and Alan has his, you know, uh, left hand on his shoulder there. And, you know, Hey, you know, yeah. basically thanks for talking me out of this funk. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, they're mm. looking each other in the eye. They're smiling. It is terrific. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, they, they find a solution to the problem here. Power rings send these people back, and they kind of, like, touch power rings together, right? Yep. And the people, everybody goes back. So nothing ever happened. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I like it. They themselves to Gotham City of Earth, too. But is this the end of the story? No. 18 <laughs> pages in, we still got stuff to go. We <laughs> mm-hmm. so the, the, the cover teased us with the thing that would happen that all took what entire three pages yep <laughs> <laughs> that was just a fraction a fraction of the actual story here so yeah Hal I, I love this Hal just basically says you know uh, you know hey okay by me but I'll start trying to track down your big crime wave so he's going to help Alan yeah Alan says he's going to the hospital to see an employee of mine mm-hmm Yep. See if he can patch up that friendship that he saw being destroyed. Yeah, so it's up to Hal to, you know, kind of figure out what's going on here. And he thinks to himself, well, what uh, Alan told me, these crimes are extremely well-organized. Question is, how did those criminals get their information so fast? And he says, wait a sec. When I was here on Earth 2 before, I set my ring up to check for any out-of-place radio signals. Right now I'm picking up a VHF wave that definitely <laughs> isn't okayed by the FCC. And uh, he, he figures something out here, right? Yep. I, that's, again, we, we've established that he did set up, he's looking for some sort of radio signal. So the ring is still looking for it. He's back in Earth, too, and the ring has found something. Mm-hmm. And it's being, he finds being broadcast. broadcast. Someone's saying the way's finally clear. Get over to Dunn General Hospital and kick off Saunders in room 410. Hospital? Mm-hmm. Saunders? That's where Alan is right now. Although Alan never said which hospital in the name of the employee? <laughs> no, and I'm sure there's a lot more than one hospital in Gotham. Gotham's a yeah. big city. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Did we get a great panel of him flying down the car to the hospital, scaring nurses and doctors? Yeah, and this is fantastic. He's like, you know, oh, Alan's problems are, you know, with one of his employees is where it started, I think. And he, he comes blasting in the, the room, and there's Alan, clobbers two guys right out. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, one he's Alan is following through on another big left-handed punch. One guy's flying through the air, another guy is already on the ground. And he says, "Come on, GL, I've got some private business to take care of." And a great panel there, close up on Alan. Yeah, great features, his hair, his lantern. face. Yep. Oh. Where's Johnny Halliday, miss? In the studio too, warming up, sir. Johnny mm-hmm. the DJ. Remember Johnny the DJ? Yeah. Yep. Johnny... Where's my Hal- Halliday, oh. you're the cause of all this. Green Lantern, I, I, and man, he just clobbers the crap out of him, too. Oh, he's just man. punching everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, my, my screen is frozen. Hold on. Why does he even need uh, why does he even need a power ring at this point? He just can yep. clobber everybody. He's Wildcat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because Gil Kane finds it more fun to draw these these punchy poses than <laughs> standing there blasty poses. Look at that! It's another butt shot. Mm-hmm. With his Chair legs flying far, far apart. His his left leg is 
bent. His right leg is sort of behind him, and his right arm is punched the guy and is curled all the way past his left leg. So his left arm is up in the air. The cape is flying. He's knocked over a chair. Mm-hmm. And then Hal, er, GL, and he's like, yeah, what's this all about? <laughs> and Alan's face on that panel <laughs> looks hilarious. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't just race into a broadcasting studio and knock out one of the disc jockeys for nothing. So there must be something. And he goes, something. you're right. And as soon as I take care of a few accomplices, I'll take you to the Gotham Square subway station and I'll tell it like it is. And uh, he's like, this done, you switch back to civilian Alan Scott or together with Hal Jordan. And then uh, it shows now him back to the second person narration. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he says, and when I got to the hospital, they told me that Tom Saunders was still under sedation and wasn't yet able to speak. However, they let me into his room. And it says, then, just after the nurse stepped out, in walked Russ and Pete. What are you, those guns? And he goes, oh, sorry, boss. We didn't know you'd be here. Guess you're just going to have to go with Tommy. And he's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I guess it won't hurt to spill it. Now, you see, Johnny Halliday's been running that crime wave in here and above from our radio station. He gets all the info from about where the police are from the news bureau and sends out messages so the jobs can be pulled without interference. The news bureau? Why is this into the police scanner? <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, uh, Tommy the here found, found out about it and threatened to call in the cops. Johnny almost put him out of the way when you stopped him. We're here to finish the job. And he says, well, when I heard that, I just blew my, I just blew open you came in at the right at the end, and uh, then uh, you know we've got a, a just a, a final page here, right? Another half page, yeah. They're now they they've been walking into the subway station. Now they're in a subway train. In the first panel, Alan is saying to Hal, "You know, Hal, I think it's sort of significant that my big worry, the crime wave, was solved when I went out to solve a small problem, a fight between friends." In the second panel, Alan is indicating a uh, public service poster behind him. And he's saying to Hal, and that's why I asked you to come here with me, to show you this public service ad I've been seeing every day, but never really looked at. It just about says it all. And the ad says, to conquer the world, you have to start small, Mm P-A-L. And and, uh, that's the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, this again feels so awkward and forced. We didn't see or have anybody mentioned that Alan Scott takes the subway to work every day. We don't know <laughs> the subway. Uh, mm-hmm. The PAL was is the Police Athletic League, something mm-hmm. about which I know very little. I, I looked it up. Uh, it's a civic organization that uh, police departments all around the country working with uh, to keep youth. Uh, active. It's, it used to be the Athletic League, not simply Police Activities League, so not just sports, but any sort of activities that get uh-huh. kids involved and um, out of trouble and off illegal drugs. But it just mm-hmm. that seems like a really awkward thing to have. And the image, I wonder if it's based on a real ad campaign. I, I tried looking that up. I couldn't find any uh, Police Athletic League public service ads. Because the image mm-hmm. is this kid pulling on a sweatshirt, a PAL sweatshirt. 
mm-hmm. but you can't see ha- ha- half of his face is still behind the collar of the shirt. <laughs> and once yeah. it was really back, it's a very odd thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I almost felt like you know, Friedrich was trying to, you know, ape, uh, you know, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, you know, with their that Green Lantern Green yet. Arrow. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. A year and a half. I didn't think that was still around 1970. Yeah, so I'm thinking yeah. well, he, he was ahead of the curve. <laughs> he's, he's trying to, it's that, you know, everybody's trying for relevancy back then. This is, again, he's a young writer. Mm-hmm. He enjoys the superhero comics. He certainly knows about the Green Lantern Corps and Earth 1 and Earth 2 and other mm-hmm. superheroes that live on Earth 2. And he wants to, he wants to do something. He wants to acknowledge that there is our real world there are problems in our real world but mm-hmm. he's also trying to say yeah but we can do something about it. each of us can do something we don't we don't have to conquer evil we can mm-hmm. just help you know, help help a person help somebody yeah help your neighbor or something like yeah, that. yeah it, it's great stuff because it again it still might be a little over the top or whatever but it it still holds water in 2023 sure it does it's just it's off he's a young writer good for him he went on he did yep yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, even when there's, you know, a, a panel or two, maybe artistically, or a, a writer tried to do something and it fell a little flat. Again, like you said, the kid was 19 years old. That this, yeah. this is a, a good effort for a 19 year old kid. Sure is. It sure is. Fantastic, though. But yeah, man, that's uh, that's gonna, you know, do it. That's the end of the issue here. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm glad we uh, jumped on this one because this was a fun one to do. And again, like we said, artistically, uh, Sid Green and uh, Gil Kane just knocked it out of the park with this one, right? So looking at those DJs that Alan hired, mm-hmm. those crook DJs he hired, I don't think they're playing rock and roll at that station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh-uh. no. <laughs> I, think uh-uh. what do you, I think it's all beautiful music. Yeah, easy listening. <laughs> easy listening. <laughs> it's AM radio. It's it's really really boring stuff. <laughs> mm, I yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, I mean this one, uh, you know, hey, if you can uh, get your hands on this one, you know, the single issue, you know, God bless you because uh, I'm sure it's a uh, quite pricey in this day and age. But I'm, I'm I'm looking at it on the app. It's fantastic. Um, and I'm seeing it's it's in a showcase and a Green Lantern Silver Age omnibus as well. So th- there's definitely a couple of different ways to get your hands on it. Yeah, I, I want to get a paper copy. I want to, I got to start building up. My, I want to finish my Earth 2 collection. Mm-hmm. Comics that take place on Earth 2. Where yeah. Is, hey. Yeah, this would be a gem. Next time uh, Green Lantern of Earth 2 appears. He, next appearance is the annual team-up in Justice League of America 64 and 65 in just a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But then... Up and then he's gone until a year later in the next crossover. Yeah, 70 issue 73, 75, something in there, I think. Yep, exactly. 73, 74. Then it's, uh, that's it. That's it for Green Lantern of Earth, too. Just these two appearances in the regular Green Lantern comic. And he's relegated mm-hmm. to the annual crossover. Yep, just the JLA JSA team ups. But yeah, man, this was this was a blast. I'm, I'm glad we're covering these, and you know, we'll. I am too. And we we found out, and the, I know the cliche is about Marvel versus DC and superhero comics. Yeah, we all know that. And this is why why Stan is such a a revolutionary in his writing, his scripting, his dialogue. This mm-hmm. is not great dialogue. It's, a, it's an action packed story. It looks wonderful, but there's no 
There are no subplots hanging. There's no continuing adventure of... Meanwhile, uh, this other thing might be happening. Here's next issue's crook planning his thing. This is not a comic meant to draw you in next month. This is a comic no. you see on the stand and you pick up and you enjoy it for what it is. And mm -hmm. because it's only Friedrich's third published story, it also feels like it might be an inventory story. Okay, kid, write a script and we'll publish it when we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was oh, looking sure. at the other, because um, I was wondering myself when the uh, O'Neill Adams stuff was going to happen. And there was a lot. Green Lantern comics weren't doing that much at this time, it seems to me. I would love anybody who knows more to, to you set me straight if I'm wrong. But just it was an adventure to adventure. Doesn't seem like they quite knew what to do with Hal Jordan once he wasn't a test pilot anymore, once he wasn't in any relationship with Carol Ferris. But no one moved him on to something else. That's mm -hmm. why he was... So they, they had the freedom to do what they did with the, with the Green Arrow stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like, you know, the issues were, you know, from issue to issue, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of continuity. It was almost just like one shot after one shot after one shot. Yeah. And most of this issue is Earth 2. It's all, and we learned yeah. a lot about Alan. We learned where he works. Uh, we sort of saw where he lives, people who work for him. He takes now, the subway. He's going to hire a bunch of new DJs. So there's an opening <laughs> at Gotham Broadcasting. Yeah. Hopefully they will change uh, formats, Alan. Switch to rock and roll, man. Ho yeah, hopefully the new DJs don't find out about how the old DJs lost their job. <laughs> <laughs> they got punched out by their boss. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get in trouble with the, uh, the, the oh, union. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here, uh, my friend. Uh, thank you once again. So if anybody uh, wants to find you out here on the socials and uh, other places, where can they look? I'm Ward Hill Terry on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, am I on instagram i think i am yeah and also uh, please follow my band stop calling me frank and listen to our brand new single uh, ollie oxen free um band camp from run bar records on mm -hmm. all your favorite streaming sites cool yeah and i will have all this in the uh, show notes as well so if anybody uh, wants to uh, you know follow you or click on some links and uh, listen to your stuff they can do so there as well so all right man well Thank you, uh, thank you again for being on. But uh, that's that's gonna take us out here. So uh, uh, in another couple of weeks, uh, there will be another episode. Uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna be either myself and Mark covering a Flash or uh, myself and Ross covering a JLA JSA team up. But it'll it'll be one of those three things. I'm trying to knock those out uh, as quickly as possible here, and every two weeks get them out. And uh, one will be I out. I just uh, listened to your your podcast with, about Power Girl. Oh, yeah, with Sean. That was a big fun one. Yeah, Sean, it was his yeah, first yeah, time yeah, back he, in a while. Oh, I meant to say, yeah, Sean said something when he, he listens to other stuff that he's kind of jealous, and I agree. I, I, oh, I wish I could be with Sean about talking about that story. Oh, I wish I could be with Martin talking about that story. One mm -hmm. of these days, you'll get it. We'll have a big, we'll have a big party on the Billy D. Delicious show. Yeah, we'll Everybody get it. We'll, 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 get another, we'll get another jam session together sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, when, all right. When the, when the schedules mesh. Yep, absolutely. Got If you got to have like a, a a graph and a pie chart to try to get everybody together, <laughs> <laughs> a spreadsheet. <laughs> so, all right, that's gonna do it for us. But the the show will be back, like I said, in uh, just two weeks' time.